you. This is Cruise Radio Rewind. Real reviews from real cruisers. It is the very first Cruise Radio Rewind of the new decade. My name is Doug Parker. We're going to go back into 2019 just a little bit on this episode because, well, I'll tell you what happened. December was a pretty crazy month between the five cruises and going skiing and taking time off and all that. So I have some listener questions left over from December. So we're going to answer them on today's show and hopefully close out 2019 and start with the 2020 questions starting on next week's show with Sherry. So with that said, I have Tommy Casavona from the Always Be Booked podcast to tackle the first couple of questions. Hey, Tommy. Hey, Doug. How are you? Good, Tommy. The first question comes from Paul. You can always email your questions to Doug at cruiseradio.net. We are cruising out of Miami in March and trying something a little different. We got a really cheap airline deal to West Palm Beach, but we need to get to Port Miami for our cruise. I'm seeing that there is train transportation between West Palm Beach and Miami. Have you ever done it, and is it worth it? Usually, we would fly directly into Miami or Fort Lauderdale, but with a family of five, every savings count. That's a great question, and for such a long time, there was one option. It was the tri-rail, but now recently they added – I mean, and I'm a train guy because I you know, grew up in New York City, so I have all these different trains to compare. I travel a lot, no planes, so I like trains. The Brightline – which is soon to be rebranded as Virgin Trains, is the best option for that. Now, currently, they only have three stops. It goes from West Palm to Fort Lauderdale to Miami. And uh, from West Palm, it is an hour and 13-minute trip. Now, you're going to have two different options on this train. You can get a smart option, which you're going to get your Wi-Fi, a very comfortable seat, and uh, outlets. That's going to range between $20 and $30. You could also get the select option, and that's going to include everything, including drinks, snacks, unlimited bar. I mean, that's out of control to me. That's going to range from $40 to $50. Now, they run about every hour. And during rush hours, it looks like they tighten it up to about every half hour, 45 minutes. Uh, Once you get off there, you're right at uh, Biscayne Boulevard, and it's about a 7 to 12-minute Uber ride over to the port. And uh, have you done the Brightline, Doug? No, I haven't. I was going to ask you, um, you've mentioned the Tri-Rail was another option. If the if Brightline is between 20 and $30, is Tri-Rail a little cheaper? I mean, what's the advantage of Brightline over Tri-Rail? Okay, so Brightline, first and foremost, it has a VIP total experience from all the, all the way. It's clean. It's fresh. The stations themselves have multiple places to eat. You can grab a cup of coffee, newspapers, magazines, last-minute travel needs, whatever. They even have their own merchandise, which is out of control to me. Uh, you can't walk 10 feet without having some luxurious, ultra-comfortable chair or couch uh, on the train. You're going to get charging stations, like we said, just like you do in the uh, main terminal. There's kiosk. The kiosk, you actually pick your seat, so you can sit wherever you want. Some of the seats have tables. Everything is just comfortable and state-of-the-art. The The staff is very friendly, and uh, the Wi-Fi is free for everybody. Um, The tri-rail, now, to me, it's a no-brainer because, yes, it is a couple of dollars more. Now, you can get the tri-rail for 3 to $6, believe it or not for that trip. The only problem is it's going to be between an hour and 20 and sometimes over two hours, depending upon the route they're taking. And, uh, you know, you're basically looking at a 15 minute Uber ride from the port. So, you know, if you're going to add up everything, maybe the, for an average 25 to $30 for the tri-rail and then another eight to $10 Uber ride on top of that, you're basically just going to reverse it. If you're doing the tri-rail, it's pretty much a 
you know, six to eight dollar a ride on the tri rail, but then your Uber's Uber's going to be twenty bucks or so, yeah. and the experience not comparable whatsoever. I know that airlines do fly into West Palm. It must be like what, like Southwest and Frontier and airlines like that? Those are the airlines that I keep hearing. I'm not necessarily the biggest plane guy, but when I do pick people up, those are the uh, the, the ones that I hear the most. Yeah, I know that Frontier offers some really good like $29, $39 rates each way um, into West Palm at certain times of the year. So it sounds like Paul could have taken advantage of that. I hope that answers your question, Paul. Our next one comes from Rosalina in Mobile, Alabama. Hi there. We are stopping in St. Thomas on Royal Caribbean's Independence of the Seas. Do you have a suggestion for a good tour that won't break the bank? We have heard you mention heading over to St. John for the day, but we're not quite that brave. We are cruise newbies. Thanks for your help. The first thing I'd ask is, what, I'm wondering about the bravery. Uh, it's, it's definitely a nice, relaxing cab ride and a ferry ride over to the islands. I mean, we're not talking about whitewater rafting through the Rockies, are we, Doug? No, but I'm thinking she's probably saying she doesn't want to leave St. Thomas and go to another island with the fear of probably being left. Makes sense. Uh, I got you on that. Well, that is pretty much what they would call the crown jewel excursion in St. Thomas. I know you've done it. You've spoke very, very highly about it. Ironically, St. Thomas is far and away my favorite island, but I've never done it. I was scheduled to do it once uh, there, and we overslept because we were hungover from the night before in San Juan. We ended up meeting a woman named Linda as we were just walking around Haven Site in, in St. Thomas, and she told us to get into her safari taxi, and basically that she would be ours for the day for just $35 per person. And I got to say, the tour she gave us was unbelievable. There's just something about being in an open air safari and just climbing up those mountains and catching those views. Uh, but anyway, I would recommend finding a safari taxi and just create your own tour. You tell them you want to hit a, uh, you want to hit up Paradise Point. You want to hit up man mountaintop gift shops and any other obser observatories along the way that they think might be worth stopping at. Uh, after a couple hours of that, you can end up at one of the amazing beaches. You have a choice of, I mean, a ton of them. They're very, very rich in beaches in St. Thomas. You have Megan's Bay. You have Lundquist Beach. And there are some options where you can kind of double it up. And like, for example, I would say if you wanted to go to Cokie Beach, which to me is the clearest water I've ever stood in in my life, you can also, while you're there, hit up Coral World, which is a really nice aquarium. Uh, to the same point, if you want to go to uh, Red Hook, which is a really cool district of gastropubs, restaurants, and a lot of places where you can get craft beer and craft cocktails. You can also, while you're there, uh, hit up Sapphire Beach, it's, which is also flat-out paradise. That's more of like a, just a really secluded kind of, I guess, I don't want to say total local, but if you meet a local, they're, gonna, they're not going to bring you to Megan's Bay. They're going to bring you to Sapphire Beach. And uh, you know that's, that's what I would recommend in St. Thomas. So you're saying find an open-air taxi. Should you just negotiate with the driver for you and your crew or just jump in with like a shared with random strangers? How does that work? Yeah, if you have a big group, and it's all dependent. Yeah, the whole thing is a negotiation. If it seems like there's not a lot of people, they're going to try to fill up the taxi. They're going to try to you know consolidate the trip as much as possible. Yes, if you do have a little bit of flexibility, it will be to your advantage. But when we did it, there was five of us that we just went and we took it and they took they took care of us. Now, another time I did it, we waited. Now, it was later in the day. Most of them were going home, so I had to pay a premium. It was about $75 a person, but that was me just kind of throwing money at them because I wanted to 
keep them from basically ending their day. And then I recently, so we're going back in a couple of weeks and I pre-booked it with about 17 other people and they said uh, $35 rate, no problem. So I think it is a negotiation if you're just getting off the ship. I think it's not going to be difficult to find exactly what you're looking for. But I also did notice even when we did give them that money, they would pick people up off the street. And I think that was mostly locals. Somebody would just give a, get in, give them a $5 bill. You'd ask them where they were going. If it was somewhere in the same region, they would, it was almost like hitchhiking, but it was fun. It was a really, like I said, you just can't top that experience of just kind of zipping through those hills and getting that fresh tropical air and the salty air hitting you. And every once in a while, you look out and there'll be a clearing and you will see something that you just don't see in person very often in the form of a gorgeous view. You said you're going back there in a couple of weeks, so you'll have to check in once you get back. We've been talking with Tommy Casabona from the Always Be Booked podcast. Tommy, thanks for being on the show, my friend. Of course, Doug. Thank you. All right, patiently waiting in the wings is staff writer Richard Sims to tackle a couple of NCL-based questions. Hey, Richard. Hey, Doug. I don't know if I'd say patiently, but I'm waiting, so let's do it. Okay, well, we'll take that. The first question comes from Patty. I pick the specialty dining perk, and I'm still confused. I have three meals for my seven-day Norwegian Cruise Line cruise. Are those three meals for two people, or are they three individual meals? Also, what can I order? Is there a set menu? And the last question, why did I get charged a fee for picking this perk? Thanks in advance. The dining package is a great perk. The first part of the question is a little bit difficult to answer without knowing more about your booking. Assuming that you are traveling with somebody and that they picked the dining perk as well, each of you, that would be three meals for each of you. So like I said, if you're traveling by yourself and it's the three meals, then it's three meals for you. If you're traveling with somebody else and they also pick the same perk as you, then you each get three meals. As far as why you're getting charged, that's what they call uh, basically a gratuity charge. They're automatically paying the gratuity for you. So even though the meals themselves are covered, that's the gratuity charge that goes along with it. Finally, as far as the menu, no, there is not a set menu. Uh, There is sort of an unspoken rule that you can order like a couple of appetizers, one entree, one dessert. Um, like for example, when I go to Cagney's, which is usually my pick on Norwegian, I always get two appetizers. Then I get like, uh, one of the big steaks with a side of maybe truffle fries. I get a couple of sides and then dessert. Although I never actually order dessert because I'm usually too full to eat dessert. So it's a full meal. There is not a special menu that you have to choose among. It is, it's, Just like in sort of in the main dining room and in other places, there will be a couple of items on the menu that have a surcharge. And there might also be certain restaurants that if you pick, then they might charge you like $10 extra for that restaurant. But typically, if you're going to like, you know, Le Bistro or Cagney's or, you know, any of the the main specialty restaurants, it's basically all covered. Next question comes from Rick. Sailing on Norwegian Gem, what should I expect? I've only have ever sailed Norwegian Breakaway. Well, it just so happens those are two of my favorite ships because both of them regularly sail out of New York. Um, In fact, they were my very first and my very second ships. So I can kind of tell you exactly what to expect. The big difference between them is that with the Norwegian Gem, because it's, you know, quite a bit smaller than the Breakaway, it's got a little bit more of an intimate feel. Um, Don't be surprised if by day two, you know, so let's say you're let's say you're hitting a couple of bars. Several of the bartenders may remember you and your drink by day two because they have a lot fewer faces to actually recognize. 
Uh, it doesn't have, you know, some of the bells and whistles that the breakaway will have, but it does have a lot of entertainment going on. You'll find that there's always a show going on. Um, for example, right outside the casino in what they call Bar Alley, there's always something going on there. There's something going on in the atrium, which isn't too far away from there. Uh, one of the bars will have entertainment going on. There's just entertainment going on all over the ship. It doesn't have the waterfront, which is that beautiful outside area with dining and you know bar bar options, things like that. But it does have one of my favorite places on any ship, which is the Great Outdoors Bar. It's at the very back of the ship on, I want to say deck 10, but don't hold me to that. There's a bar, lots of seating out there, which you can also like go inside to the buffet and bring your food outside. You've got great views of the wake. It's a really, really, it's God, it's a beautiful ship. I, I can't tell you enough that I probably... I think it might be my favorite ship that I've ever sailed. I I say that a lot. It's like having a child. You know, you're not supposed to choose your favorite child. And I, I switch quite often, depending on which one I happen to be talking about. But the gem is is a really great ship. I think you'll really enjoy it. I do like Norwegian's smaller ships. Uh, you know, to this day, my favorite Norwegian cruise ship is Norwegian Star. And it's a ship about the same size as a Norwegian gem. And, you know, compared to their larger ships these days, a thousand plus feet long and 5,000 passengers. It just has a smaller, more homey feel to them. Very much so. And there are things that you're not going to find. Like, for example, on Breakaway, one of the things I really love is the adults only area, whether it's Spice H2O or the Vibe Beach Club. You won't find that on this ship. But you also, interestingly, tend to, not always, so don't hold me to it, but you usually find fewer children on the smaller ships i think because they tend the smaller ships tend to attract a little bit older of a crowd and i don't mean that in a bad way like you know like everybody on the ship is going to be 70 i just mean that the young the the young (laughs) the young kids are drawn to the the ships with the you know the, the bells and whistles and all the various attractions on board while the gem is sort of a more standard it's a little bit I don't want to use the old word old fashioned because people think that's a bad word, but it's it's a little bit more old school than the newer, bigger ships. And also the newer, bigger ships, they have more of a boxy feel to them. Is it just me or is that like completely agree? The layout is a little bit different. It feels a little bit more like you can find a lot of little places that are are sort of great to sit and read or sit and be comfortable when they're not being used in other spaces. The other thing that this ship has, which I absolutely love, and I know you've talked about it on some of your journeys on similarly similarly sized ships, say that three times real mm-hmm. fast, and that's the Spinnaker Lounge. It's a just a beautiful space. During the day, you can often just hang out there and, you know, whether you're having a drink or sitting and reading or working and then at night it becomes a great entertainment space they have a lot of the parties there like they'll have the glow party there and the white party there things like that it's a multi-purpose space and it's it's really quite lovely if you want to get a little more of a feel for what you might expect um i can have doug link into the show notes a trip report that i did i think it was last year or the year before um on one of my gem sailings. It'll give you a little bit of an idea of what to expect around the ship, maybe give you a little preview of some of the the entertainment you'll find on board. Listen to you. I'll have Doug link it. You're not my boss. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, I'll be happy to link it. I've been talking with staff writer Richard Sims. As always, good talking to you, buddy. As always, thanks for having me. 
As I mentioned quite frequently, I do enjoy receiving your emails, Doug at cruiseradio.net. And 99% of the time, the emails are great, but everyone has their opinion. And this email I got said, um, you have really good info. The ads can get annoying, but I know they're necessary. But I do not like the drunken announcer at the end. He cheapens the podcast, and it kind of ruins the experience right at the end. This isn't a college fraternity podcast reviewing alcohol. I literally scramble to grab my phone to end it before the announcer gets all the way done. Please just remove the last 30 seconds of the announcer. That is not going to happen. I hate to lose you as a listener, but my voice guy has been with me since day one. I'm not sure if you have or not, but uh, if you have, thank you so much for continuing this journey with me. But the answer is no, Craiger is not going anywhere. That'll wrap it up for this episode of Cruise Radio Rewind. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you on Thursday. Take care.